Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and I tell you, it's hard to believe, but it's not like we're at the halfway point of the season. We've blown by that. We're approaching trade deadline season for many leagues, so I guess we're going to have to get at it this week, talk a little DFS, and then maybe just maybe we'll talk trades and how to go about doing stuff, and if you're the buyer or the seller. And of course, to do all this, I can't do it without my trusty sidekick, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, my man? Well, when you mentioned that, I just kind of looked up at my calendar, and it said that this is week 11 of the fantasy football season already? Now, most leagues start their playoffs in three weeks. How, what happened? How did the season go so fast? You know, I think it has something to do with an election or something like that. I don't know. I really don't. What election? Yeah, no, let's, we won't go there. We're not political, right? I'm a registered independent. I think you are too, aren't you? That is correct. Yeah, see that? Political leanings right down the middle, I guess. Um, no, yeah, I'm not, yeah, we're not going to get into the election. I don't know where the season went to. I mean, it flew by. It's like an episode of the Blitz podcast. It's like all of a sudden you think, oh, wait a minute, we're done. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, people are going forward this season and they'll be making the playoffs and uh, when we get into our trading segment today, we'll kind of help you uh, figure out what you want to do going into the playoffs. And if you're one of those teams that's on the outside looking in, uh, perhaps in those dynasty and empire formats, maybe we can give you some insight as to who you should be looking to acquire going into next season. Yep. And then there's one other, I think, important part of knowing and, and getting into the trades. And I'm just going to leave this out as a teaser and say it's kind of like in poker. If you don't know who the fish is, it's you. It's you. So that's going to be the little, you know, dangling thing we'll leave out there, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit more. So when we get to that segment, but I see. I, I thought you were going to go with. You've got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know and, when to walk away. And know when to run. And know when to sell Christine Michael. Okay. Too late. All right, I'll tell you what, you're right. I'm going to hold them, I'm going to fold them, and I'm going to run away, and I'm going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. What a crazy week it was. Most of the Beltway was floored and or shocked by the fallout of this past week's events. No, I'm not talking about the election, I'm talking about both the Ravens and the Redskins looking competent while winning their respective football games. (laughs) Bryce Petty got the start at quarterback for the Jets as Ryan Fitzpatrick continued to recover from his strained MCL. Unfortunately for fans of gangrene, his performance was nearly as bad as that produced by both Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith earlier this year. One positive for Jets fans, however, is that it will be very difficult for them to earn a loss while on their bye this week. 
That said, if anyone could throw a pick six on their bye, I'm guessing it would be Fitzpatrick. Elshon <laughs> Jeffrey was suspended today for testing positive for a banned sus substance. The league was quick to investigate Elshon because it was obvious he was on something when he gave a vote of confidence to the train wreck known as Jay Cutler. The New Orleans Saints signed former Packer cast-off safety Chris Banjo today in an attempt to bolster their woeful secondary. Am I the only one who thinks it's appropriate that the Saints would put someone named Banjo in their defensive backfield? I mean, let's face it, their current secondary has been treated like Ned Beatty in the movie Deliverance. And finally, Gus Bradley came out following Sunday's game and stated that under no circumstances would he replace Blake Bortles as his team's quarterback. That's right, Gus. Under no circumstances will you replace Bortles as your quarterback. The coach that the Jaguars' management brings in to replace you, however, yeah, they'll probably replace Bortles as the quarterback. This has been your BPN News Update. So, good job. Um, here's the funny part. People don't know that I don't know what you're going to talk about on the news. No idea. I just ask, how many bits do we have? Can make sure I've got enough of the clap lines or whatever the hell you want to call them lined up. <laughs> and I said, I had to admit to Harley that I didn't see much football this weekend because I was at the Garth Brooks concert um, making sure some things that a company I work for got taken care of. And I said, I'm not really a country fan. I said, but I can appreciate that he put on a hell of a show. I said, really, I, I've learned to appreciate lots of things, food, music, et cetera. I said, but the only kind of music I don't like is bluegrass music with all that <laughs> banjo-type stuff going on. And I hear Harley has a banjo worked into the the, <laughs> yeah, the BPN News. Um, and then I, I, I've got to ask you, Alshon Jeffrey, sly like a fox? <laughs> I'm going to endorse Jay Cutler. I'm going to look like a good guy, and I'm going to go down all these pills so I can get away from this godforsaken team for four weeks. <laughs> well, and the, he's a free agent after this season, correct? Right. So, yeah, he might just want to get out of the house without getting hurt so he can increase his value on the open market next year. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know what, he hasn't been super awesome or anything like that this year, but the upside is always there. And I own him on a couple of teams, actually. And it's it's going to hurt going through the stretch run and into the first part of the playoffs, right? What are we talking about? Four weeks, so we're talking 11, 12, 13, 14. You get him back, you get him back for week 15, which is semis. You, do you feel comfortable putting a guy like that in your lineup in the semis after being off for a month? You really can't. And when you look at the Bears' schedule against the, against the pass defenses coming up, it really wasn't very good to begin with. Could be He's facing a lot of very good pass defenses down the stretch, and particularly in the fantasy playoff time. So, yeah, I, you know, they might have a hard time just, like, fielding an active roster each week. I mean, Eddie Royal is constantly hurt. Uh, Zach Miller never does anything after the third week of the season. Cameron Meredith hasn't done anything since Jay Cutler took back over. Hoyer's done for the year. Uh, just like we, the uh, who's, who's their third-string quarterback? I think he's bagging groceries, groceries somewhere. Exactly. So. It's it's just not it's not a good thing for that offense in general. So teams looking to stream defenses down the next uh, three four weeks or at least yep. definitely look for who's ever facing Chicago because it's a dumpster fire. And I would say this: um, 
we'll we'll use this and we'll lead into now we're going. Would, you want to go DFS or do you want to do the trade segment first? Let's do DFS. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is we'll talk about Jeffrey. So don't don't let me forget about maybe he's somebody. Since I really don't think you get, you're going to be able to use him until week 16, and I don't know even who he's playing in week 16. So maybe that's somebody we have to look at and say, is he a trade target? Do you try and trade him now and get some sort of value if you're in a redraft league? Think about that while we go into our DFS pays, stayaways, and value plays. Let's go right at it. Quarterback, who are you paying up for? Well, at quarterback, I'm paying up for Big Ben Roethlisberger going to Cleveland. Now, we know that Ben Roethlisberger is considerably better at home than on the road. You certainly proved that last week. But let's face it, this is Cleveland. Cleveland has allowed multiple passing touchdowns in every game but one. They've given up three or more touchdowns passing six different times. Last year, Big Ben faced him twice. He averaged 364 yards and three touchdowns in those two games. Uh, This is not going to be pretty. Uh, It may end up being more Bell than Roethlisberger by the end of the game, but uh, Ben will get his share, and uh, you really want nothing to do with Cleveland right now either, other other than maybe some of their offense in what's – they're going to have to throw the ball to try to keep up. Yeah. I actually have Ben penciled in as my pay-to-play also. I'm – I'm just looking the other way from the home away splits. I, I think, I mean, Cleveland's kind of like almost a home game for Pittsburgh anyway. It's kind of like you play on the school ground and they closed it because they're doing some demolition of the school and you got to go around the corner and play on a different field. That's kind of what Pittsburgh is going to Cleveland. And strangely enough, Roethlisberger's price tag is still being a little affected by the time he missed because on FanDuel, he's still, what, about fourth or fifth in terms of price. And uh, I think when we roll into the players we're avoiding at quarterback, one of the guys that's that I'm avoiding at least is higher priced on FanDuel than Roethlisberger, and that's Aaron Rodgers going to Washington. Uh, Only twice all year has Washington given up more than one passing touchdown in a game. Rodgers, he's a great quarterback. He's got a few weapons to work work with, and they're starting to get healthy. But you have to assume that Jordy Nelson's going to be shadowed by Josh Norman. That means that he's going to have to uh, concentrate on guys like... uh, Geronimo Ellison and Devontae Adams to uh, successfully move the ball. And those names, uh, I mean, Adams has been good lately, but that doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. You know, I'm sure that our listeners kind of are torn. They probably like when we agree on pays and stays and values. And then they probably don't at times because they'd rather have more options. But we're two for two. I'm on it with you. Same way. I'm staying away from Aaron Rodgers. I just... I don't like it on the road. Washington seems to play better at home. Um, and just the price tag just doesn't line up for me. Not when, well, there's, not when there's other better values out there, which will lead us right into who's your value play. You know, uh, so I had to really go digging here because there wasn't a lot that I really liked in the value range this week. I mean, unlike last week where it seemed like everyone was a value. Uh, I'm going with Alex Smith uh, coming off a pretty horrible game last week, but he's facing Tampa Bay. Price tag still fairly low. Uh, Jeremy Macklin should return to the game, which was going to help his help his offense a lot. But you know what? Prior to Tampa Bay shutting down Jay, please cut him last sun, Sunday. Uh, Tampa had allowed 857 yards and eight touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks over the prior two games. And on the season, Tampa Bay's secondary has been getting burned regularly. Uh, Tampa Bay's run defense is definitely their strength. Uh, so uh, we may see a little slowdown from Spencer Ware this week. And if KC is going to successfully move the ball, that means that Alex Smith is going to have to work uh, through the air. 
Okay. You know, what I like about that is that it really is a true value play with how low his salary is. Um, I'm going with a guy that I think is a value based on the fact that I think he's priced wrong. Um, one, I almost always like guys when they're playing at home. Two, I like them when they get to face a team that has a suspect secondary. Three, I like it when the best cornerback, which is a laughable thing to say anyway, um, is probably going to be out due to being in concussion protocol. Um, that team would be the Eagles, which means I love Russell Wilson at his price tag this week. I, I think that's not a bad play. I mean, again, when you're looking at quarterback and there's, like I said, really the, the talent level for the value plays this week is, is kind of thin. Past couple weeks, it's been really easy to put in a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota because their price tags were so low and they had such great matchups. But this week, they finally bumped the price tag up on both of those guys. And uh, the rest of the rest of the people in the middle there either have kind of crummy matchups or their price is just a little bit higher than you really want to. Russell Wilson definitely has the possibility of performing over the top of his salary. And it sure seemed like last week uh, that he definitely got more comfortable in the uh, makeshift pockets they were creating for him by having him move the ball right and left before he took off and threw it. And, again, rediscovered Doug Baldwin for three touchdowns. So anything could happen. And he looks like he's getting healthy. I mean, and and the healthier he gets, that's that's what I like about it. And the Philly defense, the front seven is, they're formidable, um, which I think will limit their run game, which means that, hey, we're going to have to pass. I think Tyler Lockett's actually somebody that could have a big game just because of how – um, dangerous that Eagle secondary is to their overall winnable health. Well, you, you mentioned a uh, you, you mentioned a Philadelphia Eagle there. Uh, who do you got at running back this week? Not a Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> oh, you're not going to go with Darren Sproles again like I did last week as my value play, only to get burned completely by Ryan Matthews like everyone else on this free earth? And I'm not going to chase Matthews. No, I'll tell you who I'm paying up for. I'm paying up for Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland Rocks? Isaiah Crowell? Yeah, Duke Johnson? Yeah, yeah, Cleveland Rocks are right. Le'Veon Bell is going to rock Cleveland. That's, if, if ben, that's a safe call. <laughs> if Ben doesn't get his, Bell gets his. Bell can get his and some of Ben. So, I, yeah, that's a stack that I absolutely love. I'm not even going to say yeah, That's all you need to know. Bell was the one running back that had over X number of touches that hadn't scored a touchdown running the ball. He finished that last week, right? Had like 75 catches, finished that last week. Had like 75 yards, took care of that. He's just like a player and a half, player and three quarters. And if he starts seeing the end zone like he did this week, then that's league winner. I mean, he put 30-plus points up in most leagues last week that were PPR. Well, you know, a lot of people were getting frustrated with Bell not scoring touchdowns. And coming into this game, he had scored exactly as many touchdowns as uh, C.J. Uzoma, um, Tajay Sharp. Uh, Name the other tight end for the New York Jets. <laughs> so it wasn't like Bell was really like I mean he wasn't lighting the lamp but he was getting a lot of yardage he was getting a lot of receptions and he was putting up consistent 20 plus point performances on both DraftKings and FanDuel even without the touchdowns the touchdowns are going to come this yep. week and they are Cleveland has allowed 700 nearly 700 rushing yards and 7 rushing touchdowns over their last 4 weeks to opposing running backs that's not even including the passing yards they've given up to those positions so uh, there's going to be a lot of yards for Bell uh D'Angelo Williams is still dinged up. He probably won't suit up again. That means Fitzgerald Toussaint is the backup. Do we really think we're going to see a lot of Toussaint in this game? No, I think we're going to see just a, a ton, a metric ton of Le'Veon Bell. Yep. So is that who you're paying up for too? He is also my pay up. 
So we're two, we're three for four together, right? That's what it looks like. Exactly. Who are you avoiding? Let's see if we can go different directions here. So I, I've actually played this guy in a lot of my lineups this week, and uh, I'm glad I did because he absolutely blew up, and that is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, however, I'm going to avoid him this week against Baltimore, and here's why. His price tag is uh, its not cheap by any means. It, it's just a little bit below that of Le'Veon Bell, who I like a lot, but the matchup just isn't that good. Opposing running backs are averaging 64 yards per game on the ground against Baltimore. Only two teams have topped that 64-yard-per-game marker, and uh, they've only allowed three running back rushing touchdowns all season. So, yes, Zeke will get some yardage through the air. Zeke will probably be the fourth person to score a touchdown against them. But if you're banking on another 40-point performance from this week, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think you. I think you'll be hard pressed to get three times value on Zeke this week. Um, but that is not who I'm steering clear of. I'm steering clear of a guy that I own in a league that has just been lights out all year, kind of with the exception of this past week. Um, even though he still put numbers up, it was nowhere near what everybody was expecting. Um, I'm steering clear of David Johnson. I know Minnesota has shown some kinks in the armor. I guess as they say, um, I just don't think it's a great matchup to spend that money um, when he's going to a team that's going to be at home and saying that they are just in absolute utter need of a win is putting it mildly. It's it's pretty dire here in Minnesota right now, and uh, a lot of it's going to come down to uh, the health of their linebackers. Uh, both uh, Eric Kendricks and uh, Anthony Barr had some issues with injury uh, coming into last week's game. They ended up running into each other on a play last week. Both got knocked out for a bit. Both came back. So uh, assuming those two are healthy, I think that helps a little bit against the run. Linvald Joseph was also dinged up coming into the game last week. He's the big run stopper in the middle. If those three are on the field, I think that's a good play to avoid with David Johnson because they can really uh, do a limit on what opposing running backs can do against them. Now, what they have been beaten by lately unfortunately, is those backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And David Johnson, much like Ezekiel Elliott, is capable of doing that. Yeah. I just, to me, I, I won't be shocked if he put up 12, 15, 18, 24 points. I just think that there's the ceiling's a little bit tougher to get to. But before we go any further on this, how did David Johnson and the Cardinals not completely just obliterate San Francisco? What did San Francisco do in that game to Some- stop this offense. I I don't know. You know what? It happens year in, year out. Teams play down to other teams at times, and maybe the Cardinals were looking ahead a little bit. Not that they have the the record to look ahead, but maybe they're looking ahead a little bit. Um, It happens. That would have been an amazing defeat for them if they had lost that game. I actually, as I said, was at that Garth Brooks concert, and so I got back late, and I was checking scores. I thought that game was over. And then I checked the score again while we were having dinner. I went, wait a minute, how that? They're tied. Crap, the game's not <laughs> over. What's what's going on here? Like it caught me completely off guard. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see it. I like to I like to see it. I'll try and rewatch it. But um, it's like I said, there's just some teams at times you you play down to your opponents. I'm not going to say it was them playing up to their opponent. That's for sure. Well, you know, we always say look for values at running back, and as far as DFS goes. Uh, last week, actually, however, I made a fairly uh, sizable uh, win on FanDuel, anchored by me putting together a lineup involving Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, and Le'Veon Bell. 
Now, I'm sorry, that was on DraftKings. My uh, FanDuel lineup had combinations of those two. Uh, I've also got a lineup on Fantasy Draft right now, which is another DFS site that I've been playing a lot lately that has all three of those guys in the roster. And again, I think that one's going to cash for me this week. So sometimes it's good to pay up for those players, but periodically you do have to look for those values. And uh, with the high prices at quarterback this week, I think that you are looking at some values at running back this week. Uh, they're kind of slim and none, though, as far as picking and choosing. One guy I like is James Starks against Washington. Now, we just talked about Washington's defense being better at home. Yes, they are. But Starks had the lion's shares of the touches last week in the Green Bay's backfield. Uh, and looks like Green Bay, for this game, they'll have to try to establish the run. Washington has allowed multiple running back touchdowns in four different games right this year. So if Green Bay can get the ball running, that should open up their passing game. And right now, it looks like Ty Montgomery is, is losing touches both in the passing game and the rushing game to James Starks. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of much of the value plays at running back, honestly, either. Um, so I'm settling on a guy. I'm not 100% sold on him. He's on the road, which is never a good thing. He's on a poor team, which is never a good thing. Um, but I, I like Chris Ivory. He's going to get some touches. Um, Detroit is far from a good defense at this point. They're really hammered with injuries. Um, linebacking core is still very thin. And Ivory's always a threat to score a close touchdown or two. Um, it, so, I mean, that's just his price tag alone at 3-6. Um, it very easily can get you two and a half to three times, you know, value. So that's why I'm keyed in on that. An interesting stat I found, though, on the Lions is that uh, coming into this past week, and uh, last week was their bye, so I guess going forward, too, they have allowed a total of only three running back touchdowns all year, only one on the ground and two through the air. That's a little surprising because uh, – they are giving up a lot of yards, and uh, it looks like yeah, five different teams have rushed for over 100 yards against them. What that means is also four different teams have been held under 100 yards rushing against them. You know what that means? That means that T.J. Yeldon has a combined 200-yard day with three touchdowns. That's what that means. I, I think if T.J. Yeldon has that many yards and that many touches in one game, Gus Bradley might not make it back onto the plane. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He, but he's gotten on that plane when nobody thought that he would anyway. So, And by the way, that is not an endorsed play. Please stay away from TJ Yeldon. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I can't even imagine in the worst possible bipocalypse type situation the need to start TJ Yeldon. Okay. Now, we're going to move to the wide receiver. I don't know who you're paying up for. I know who I'm paying up for. So I'm just going to say Antonio Brown, enough said. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going I'm to pay up for Odell Beckham Jr. He's facing Chicago on the road coming into this week. Uh, he, they have allowed 232 wide receiver receiving yards per game and seven touchdowns over their four road games. Again, that was coming into this week. Uh, I know Tampa Bay faced them this week, and they actually did pretty good against them as well. I just didn't get a chance to add those numbers into my figures tonight. So Beckham at 8,500, 9,000 on FanDuel. He's the guy you're going to pay up for this week. Okay, so who's going to be the guy you're staying away from? Well, I'm staying away from Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of talked about it a little bit then. I'm going to also stay away from Jordy Nelson, who uh, by all points and should be covered by Josh Norman the entire game. Okay. I'm staying away from Mike Evans. I mean, this past week, even though we wouldn't classify what he did as a bad game, it showed that he's human. It was and, frustrating, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's human, and I just I don't like the matchup. 
Um, so I see some better options, and he'll still get his. I just don't see the ceiling being quite as high to pay up that for that salary. And for those of you, again, in DFS, uh, if you need a defense for this week, I'm actually ranking defenses this week for uh, LeagueSafePost.com, and I've got KC as my number two ranked defense. I'm also going to slide in that uh, New York Giant defense against Chicago, like we were talking a little bit about earlier with the uh, with the uh, C- Cubs, with the uh, Bears having issues on their offense. But uh, getting back to wide receiver, the value play for me is I didn't talk I didn't talk to you at all about this guy. So no, hear me out. Well, then hold on. Let me just give my guy first. Okay. Okay, because I'm just going. I'm I'm doing the quick sound bites here. I'm going back to Marquise Lee. He he's not a he's not a league winner. He's not going to win you the millie maker probably. But I think he's a solid guy at a good price that gets you to where you can put other guys in your lineup. And I still think he can return that three times value. Um, we know that Slay is going to be the one that's on Allen Robinson. You've got a cornerback, number two cornerback that's possibly out. Even if he isn't out, it still I still think that you're going to see Hearns if he's active and. Lee have very solid, productive weeks. You know, I actually looked heavily at Lee, and I was in the process of putting my uh, selected values together, and I actually had written down Marquise Lee as the guy I was going to take. Then I thought about things a little bit more, and I decided, you know what? I've had good weeks with Lee. I've had bad weeks with Lee. Here's someone I have not played at all this year. His price tag is $3,500 on DraftKings, his price tag is $5,300 on FanDuel. We're talking bargain basement here. <clears throat> now, this particular guy, Jeremy Curley versus the New England Patriots. You got to look at this this way. San Francisco. You're brave. You're brave. San Francisco is going to be trailing from the onset. And last week, mobile quarterback Russell Wilson was able to get outside the pocket and throw to very similar receiver, Doug Baldwin. Now, look at the two receivers in terms of their uh, their stature. Baldwin, 28 years old, 5'10", 192, operates out of the slot a lot. Curley, also 28 years old, 5'9", 1 inch sl- shorter, 188 pounds, 4 pounds lighter, also works out of the slot a lot. Uh, Baldwin got three scores last week. But when you look, too, at Jeremy Curley's experience against New England back when he was a Jet, in five of eight career games versus New England, he has at least 50 receiving yards and or a touchdown. Those are trends I like to follow and and get a chance to think about who can you possibly stick in there at the bare minimum, at the bottom of your roster, and then build around it. Jeremy Curley. Believe it or not, you you made me a believer. I kind of like that. I mean, I was just totally surprised. I mean, I knew that they were similar players, him and Baldwin, but I did not know their stature and size was that close. Yeah, the thing that, that bugs me, though, is Chip Kelly's their coach, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I mean, seriously, I know, that, I know that San Francisco made that a game, but they were, what, almost 13 or 14-point underdogs to a team that had a sub-500 record. Let that sink in. But, hey, that means garbage time. That means garbage time. Well, you know what? That means that Colin Kaepernick also has to be considered a slight sleeper at his price tag, too. Yep, that's true. So let's go to the um, tight end position. And I'll tell you who I'm going to... Uh, no, I won't. Go ahead. Give your pay first. I'm going to pay for Jordan Reed, despite uh, the steals of all, all those touches last week by Vernon Davis. 
His price tag still in that medium to high range. But in seven of nine games, Green Bay has allowed either a tight end touchdown or and or more than 60 yards receiving to the position. Uh, I like Reed. Davis will get his too, but uh, I, I think Reed is due, and he's probably going to be a little pissed after not getting much love last week. So, squeaky wheel, possibly. Well, it may be, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. I'd rather see Reed having to deal with Vernon Davis than concussions, but fantasy wise, it's pretty much one and the same. Um, the Are guy, you saying Vernon Davis is a concussion for Jordan Reed? Fantasy owners. <laughs> He's been a headache for several years for a lot of people. So Yep, he has two touchdowns this year now, and that's as many as he's had in the last, I think, two seasons combined. Um, so the guy I'm going to pay up for is Delaney Walker against a devoid Indianapolis Colts defense. They're, re- they're weak up the middle. They're weak in the secondary. Uh, so the only thing is you have to wonder how many different tight ends can Mariota throw touchdowns to. Um, but that that also could play into the squeaky wheel. And at 5,700, I think Walker's got as much upside as anybody else. He certainly looked electric last week. Uh, and, I mean, Mariota leading the league in passing touchdowns over the last six weeks. You'd think maybe it's Andrew Luck or Cam Newton or Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger. No, it's Marcus Mariota. Yeah, let that sink in. Okay, so who are you? You gave your pay, right? Who you, yeah. who you staying away from? So when I picked my stay away player, it was before I looked at his actual salary because I would assume assumed his salary would be higher. He really isn't. It's only thirty nine hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, thirty nine hundred on DraftKings, forty nine hundred on FanDuel. So it's not as high as normally I would choose. But I'm staying away from Kyle Rudolph. Uh, no team has more than fifty three receiving yards by a tight end against Arizona this year. No team has more than five receptions by the position with the tight end this year. And nobody at all has scored with a tight end against Arizona this year. Kyle Rudolph is probably going to have to stay in and block some more now that Jake Long is done for the season and their offensive line remains in a shambles. I just really don't like his chances this week. Okay. I mean, you know what? And at tight end, it's like you can throw Price out because, I mean, they're, they're all jumbled up so close together. But I'm going to go from my stay away to my value play because they kind of go hand in hand like salt and pepper at this point. But my stay away is... Uh, push it. There you go. <laughs> my stay away is Rob Gronkowski based on the news that has surfaced that he possibly suffered a punctured lung in this week's game. Did it happen in the game or did it happen when he was uh, performing say. as uh, John Bon Jovi? Yeah, that I don't know. Um he, who knows what he had inside his shoulder pads, you know, sex toy or something. I don't know. Maybe it punctured along. But Does that explained the dildo on the field a couple weeks ago. You know, I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> but if I'm staying away from Gronkowski, that means that's a hole in that, that offense and somebody's got to fill it. So my value play is going to be Marty Bennett. Bennett certainly looked through the part this past week filling in for Gronkowski if he, if he was indeed limited. Um, the guy I'm going to take as my value play is actually a choice between two. And that is Ladarius Green at Cleveland or Jesse James at Cleveland. Both of them have cheap prices. Green's is obviously a little bit cheaper than James because he's only played half a game now. But Cleveland has allowed the most receptions, the most yards, 
and the second most touchdowns to the tight end position. And uh, so if you've got the guts to start Big Ben, if you've got the guts to start Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, why don't you make it a true Voltron stack and put one of those tight ends in there too? You know, I came very close, very, very close to doing that exact thing. Um, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I don't know why, but I couldn't, especially when I see that what I picked. But, yeah, it's going to be hard-pressed to not come up with some formula to get you multiple stack plays against Cleveland this week, including I could even see playing the Pittsburgh defense in there. Well, and if you need a cheap receiver and you don't want to pay up for Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers certainly comes into play, possibly even Sammy Coates. Yep. Well, there you go. That's our pay-to-plays, stay-aways, and value plays for DFS. And now, as promised, of course, we're overtime, like always. Um, We're going to do a quick short segment on trading, making a push for the playoffs, and maybe we'll put a little dynasty slant to it. But, Harley, what, what do you think the biggest key for people to understand with regards to trading as most deadlines are approaching right now? Well, you really have to know that if you're going to make a trade and it's not for a dynasty season, if it's a single season or a redraft league, uh, you're going to have a hard time dealing with a team that's completely out of it already because you really don't have anything to truly offer them other than the hope of winning their very next game so that they can possibly still stay alive. So the number of teams that you can trade with suddenly becomes a lot thinner. At the same time, all the teams that are in it for the playoffs this year are also looking to improve their teams for the playoffs. So uh, you got to find those teams that are right on the cusp, that aren't there quite yet, that need to win, yeah. and find a player that's going to help them precisely that week and get from them a player that is going to have value for you in weeks 14, 15, 16 instead. Yeah, the key is you want to try and make it a win-win situation. That's going to always make it easier to do deals in the future. So finding the win-win is always important. Also, don't take an area of strength and turn it into an area of weakness. And by that, let's say that you're stacked at running back. Okay, Let's say you have, I heard this on the radio today, I think somebody said they had Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and um, they had another fringe guy that was a solid running back. I can't remember who it was. And at wide receiver, they pretty much had like one stud and then nothing else. And they said, I've got an offer to get Julio Jones for Zeke Elliott. And on face value, you go, oh, well, wow, getting Julio and blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you what, I'm not doing that deal. And I'm not doing that deal because I'm looking at the positions and understanding it's easier to fill wide receiver than running back. Because what happens if Gordon or Zeke or one of the other running backs goes down? All of a sudden, you go from a place of strength to a place of weakness. So I think you have to look at it in those terms. As well as, and this is something that gets overlooked quite a bit too, look who you're dealing with. I'm the guy. I have no problem overpaying to get a player that I think is going to make me better. But I'm also very cautious that I'm not making somebody else better that's going to impact me and my pursuit of winning it all. Well, another thing that people look for in trades, uh, again, depending on the level of the talent you're playing against, uh, both of us play against some very high-end industry talent. Uh, so it's a little tougher to make trades that are going to be advantageous for one side and not for the other. But to think about is that if you're making a trade that's, that's unbalanced, where, say, you're getting one player and giving away two or three players, what you really have to think about is if you're getting two or three players, 
in addition to getting those players, that means you're also cutting two or three people. They have to be above replacement value to make that deal worthwhile to you. And vice versa, if you're getting, uh, if, if you're giving away those players, you could say, oh, I'm only getting one player from you for these three players. But you also have to be thinking to yourself, okay, who are the two people I'm going to pick up off the waiver wire and how much better will they be replacement level to the players I'm giving up? Yep. Now here, let's, let's put a dynasty slant on this. And this goes to our poker talk that we had earlier. In dynasty, you have to know if you're a buyer or a seller. Because if you're status quo, you're going to wind up in the middle all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm not saying you sell off your team just to sell it off for the sake of selling it off. But if, if you have guys with expiring contracts or getting older and they don't fit into your plans and you can get some draft picks, I'm not a big draft pick fan. I'd, I'd rather have talent, um, known quantities. But still, there are people out there that like to go for draft picks and different things like that. You have to know when to sell those guys. Um, as an example, if you're an A.J. Green owner and he's on a one-year deal and you truly look at your, your team, you look at your record, you go back and look at the past three to four years and look at the records that made the playoffs, and if you truly can say, I don't think I have a puncher's chance at making the playoffs, you do yourself a disservice by not selling A.J. Green. I, I would totally agree. I think that uh, he's kind of on that cusp of players where it's like you, you don't want to trade someone when they're too young, but you also want to trade them before they get over the hill. And uh, most years I would agree with you about wanting to get talent instead of picks. But we have a strange situation coming up this coming year where there's a huge amount of value to be had in the early portion of the first round of next year's uh, rookie league drafts. So you really can get an overpayment for picks in the top five or top six next year. Yeah, and then the other thing I try to do when I'm working trades, especially in Dynasty, is try to get those throw-in guys that really aren't throw-ins. They're guys that you like, but you don't want them to know that you like them. Because as soon as they know you like them, the price goes up. Um, i give an example. I own LaShawn McCoy. I was trying to make a play for Odell Beckham because I wanted to strengthen my wide receivers because they've got Demarius Thomas and A.J. Green, 16-team league, nothing wrong with that, right? But... I can start as many as, I think, four or five wide receivers and as many as three running backs. And running backs, I've got Melvin Gordon and Devontae Freeman and David Johnson. So I'm really set at running back. But I felt like I would like to give myself some flexibility, and I was trying to land Odell Beckham, especially with A.J. Green being on a one-year deal. I can franchise tag him, so I'm not worried about losing him. Um, But I have LaShawn McCoy, too. Okay. Well, what's the concern if you have McCoy? What if he goes down? Who's his backup? Gillisley, right? Well, that guy had Gillisley. Um. <laughs> so I'm trying to say, hey, can and I, we got to make these contracts work? Um, what do you think? Could we just toss Gillisley in it? And that, but if I said I need to get Gillisley, well, even if he's a fourth or a fifth round pick value, you just cost yourself an extra round, probably. Exactly. But uh, before we go any further on that, uh, just for people looking at it from a dynasty standpoint. I'm not sure that Gillisley is the guy that you want going forward as the quote-unquote backup for LaShawn McCoy. No, let me, let me clarify that. I'm talking about <clears throat> for this year, if you're making a okay. play for this year in a dynasty league, because I'm trying to position myself for a run at a championship. But you're right. If you own LaShawn McCoy and you think you're out of it, then you make a play for who you think that true backup is for next year. 
And his, right now I'm leaning towards uh, the uh, rookie. Jonathan, right? Um, yes. Yeah. His, his last name escapes me. But yes. William, yep, you're right. Um, okay, so not only was Harley right, but all of a sudden I'm not sure what happened, but the Skype fairies did something because, poof, he's gone. Um, I cut the audio. We've tried to get Harley back on. Was going to edit him back in like we normally do if we get a freeze up or something, but he's... 15 minutes in now, he's told me that he um, has network issues and we're not sure what's going on. So I'm just going to wrap the show up. Hopefully you've got enough to go put a little bank in your pocket with the DFS stuff that we had for you. And our um, trade segment gives you just a little bit of an idea of how to look at things a little bit differently. Understand who you are, where you are, if you should or shouldn't be the seller. Make those hard decisions and go have fun. And of course, do us a favor. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow Harley at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>